0: This week is the book of Ephesians. The the lives of Christians in Ephesians were very much like our lives, although you might not think so at first, because the city of Ephesus had a myth, they had a story. That myth structured its public and its consumer life. That myth was that Diana, a great goddess, had fallen from the sky and established them as a special people, and its tradesmen, made their living fashioning idols in her image, selling them to tourists and to citizens alike. The whole economy was based upon celebrating their status as a special people, beloved of Diana. You might be thinking, "Well, I don't have much in common with that. Sure we do, we have cultural stories, and we have political stories, and our entire economy is based around those stories. If you don't watch out, you can fall for the story And lose the big story. And see, that's what Christians did to Ephesus. They brought in a different story. They were attacked and hated because they brought in a different story. That you're not special because you're the greatest nation on earth. You're not special because you have money and jobs. You're not special because of your military being so powerful. You're special because Jesus Christ, the Son of God, loves you and died for you. And was resurrected for you and wants to save you. Now, that story was very offensive to the Ephesians, and so mob rule broke out from time to time. And in our world, our stands on issues such as morality and faith make us very unacceptable to the world, not because we're not telling the truth, but because what we're saying is not acceptable. It disrupts the national story. It disrupts the current cultural myth. If we rely upon Jesus, we don't need to rely upon the stuff we buy We don't need to rely upon the people we vote for We don't need to rely upon any other marker of identity. We're Jesus people and that's enough for us and that that disrupts everything And I need to stress this they were not attacked because what they said was not true They were attacked because what they said was not acceptable all right now I told this story before, but I'm going to tell it again very quickly. Years and years ago, I was at Ohio State University, and I I was teaching in one of the med classes that I teach, and uh, somebody raised their hand during it, and they said, well, I was looking at your bio, and it says you're a minister too, and I said, yes, and they said, how can you be a scientist and a minister, and I said, can't really answer that question yet, but when, when the big hand gets up to the 12, I can, because that's when class is over. So anybody wants to stay, stay. And uh, at the end, every, everybody stayed. And I went, uh-oh. Um, <laughs> and the, the, the questioner said, you, uh, do you believe that you have to go through Jesus to go to heaven? And I said, yes. And you get, in the room. Uh, but I'm no afraid. And so I, I said, all right, hang on. Before you go any further, I say you need to go through Jesus to get to heaven. And you say that makes me, and he said, narrow-minded. So I wrote that on the board. And I said, what else does it make me? And people said, bigoted, small-minded, old-fashioned, ignorant. I wrote, and some other words that I won't use, but I know how to spell. So I put those up there as well. Put them all up. Uh, my family's military. We know these words. So I put them all up. And uh, whenever they were done, uh, they couldn't think of any more. I said, I say you have to go through Jesus to get to heaven. You say that makes me, and I read all the, name, all the words. And I turned around and I said, and you're right. Unless it's true. If it's true, it's none of these things. You know, um, my, my brother-in-law until recently was a firefighter in Houston. That always kind of amused me because I've never seen Texans hurry, and so I'm not really sure how they, you know, react to fire. But um, let's say that I was in in Texas visiting and uh, my wife and I are caught in a house that's on fire and we're down on the floor coughing and here he comes crawling through with his, you know, fireman outfit on and uh, he goes, Patrick, follow me, I know the way out of here. I'm not gonna look at him and go, oh, look at you, mister, I know the only way. Sometimes, sometimes it may be true as unsettling as it is so in ephesus the christians were told here's how you convert the world not through the power of your arguments but through the power of your lives in christ not through debating not through fighting but by living and that power reveals itself in a faith that matters that changes every big thing and every little thing about us. Sorry, little. I said little. I'm, I'm getting as much accent as, as Bill did today. I noticed, I noticed the Michigan accent when it cards. <laughs> Fill out the cards. <laughs> um, yes, I'm talking about someone's accent. Hush. Um, <laughs> let's, let's let Jesus talk for a while, right? Let's let God say something through Paul. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. In other words, it's not about saying great things. In fact, one early Christian even wrote, We do not do great things. We do not say great things. We do them. It's about living. And about this next passage, we're in chapter 2. We're a redeemed people, a new nation with a new story. We're to act accordingly. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people, with members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as chief cornerstone in him. The whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in Him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. We are the temple. We are the temple that people will visit and meet God. We're the point of blessing. We are mobile tabernacles of grace, peace, forgiveness, love. All of that, that comes from us as we move about the place. Notice he's not ever saying here, and God will give you great arguments. No, it's, you're the place where God lives. Now, act like it. We are in service to something greater than ourselves. This is the church. And in the church, God plans to show his glory to the people. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Can I give you a little warning, especially to the younger folk and to the millennials and down, because there's this big movement that says, I love Jesus, but I don't love the church. I'm sorry, they're a set. That would be rather, because the church is a bride of Christ, that would be rather you coming to me and saying, I like you, Patrick, but that Cammy, I can do without her. That's not safe. I would be displeased. I might bring up your name in a sermon. <laughs> I, would, I, I wouldn't point at you more than once, but you understand what I mean. You can't have me if you don't like her. And God's eternal purpose was that through you, the church, the gathered body of Jesus, the world would see a different way to live. A different story. Our power comes from the truth of our story and from love. The world has a lot of weapons. We have one, love. Last week a preacher up in Hendersonville uh, named Zach, a nice guy, wrote an article which I thought was brilliant because he said he wrote about he lived uh, without power for several hours up there and even though he knew he had no power He knew we were walking about with flashlights. He caught himself and he walked into a room flipping the switch Why because you always do it. It's your automatic. It's what you do and He wrote that's the way I want to be about love and I thought what a brilliant idea What a brilliant illustration of what Ephesians is trying to tell us be so wired about love that love is your go-to love is your reaction. There was a time uh, we were pulling, I had a minivan, driving it through uh, Inverness full of people I was showing Scotland to. We'd rented the minivan for this. I'm not the kind of man that would just buy one, you know. Anyway, but uh, we rented one. And so uh, we were getting out, and I, it was me. I didn't pay attention. I opened up my door without looking and nearly knocked over a lady on the pavement, on the sidewalk, because she was walking by. And before I could say I'm sorry, she veered around, and she, she was frowning as she said it, but she said, God bless you. And I went, no, wait, that's my line. I'm, I'm the minister, you're the, you're the pagan passerby. I mean, I, I, her first instinct wasn't, hey, watch yourself, laddie, but it was, bless you. And I thought, it needs to be that automatic. And when I read Ephesians, I see it again, And again and again, love is what we do. Look in chapter 3, verses 17 through 19. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love. Now notice what, God has a lot of words he could use. He could have said absolute perfect doctrine, absolute perfect understanding of the Trinity, absolute perfect worship services that everything goes right in. But he didn't. We're established in love, may have power. Where does the power come from? From being established in love. That's our power. Together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And I think we'll know when we get there, by the way, by how much we giggle. Because if you're loved that much, you're going to giggle. Sometimes to know that this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And how do you get there? Love, love, love. That's what Ephesians keeps telling us. It's through love. Look at this passage in chapter five, verses one and two. Follow God's example. Therefore, wow, that's not asking much there, is it? Therefore, dearly love children and walk in the way of love. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. That's what we're supposed to do. Give yourself up along the way. Walk in the way of love. That's it. Love God and love each other. Jesus said that's the commandments right there. That fulfills them all. We will not win the world by winning arguments. We will not win the world by being more certain of our evidences or our proofs. We're only going to win them by loving them more than anything and anybody else could. Have you ever thought about this? It says, follow the example of God. God did not descend from heaven and debate other gods. He did not descend from heaven and discuss theology with us. What did he do? He came down and he loved us. He told us stories and he loved us. Then he says, you follow that example you tell them stories and you love them and it won't make much sense it really won't and that's why in Ephesians Paul says don't be drunk with wine but be drunk with the Spirit it's gonna look to the world like you're drunk you're insane because you're loving when they would say that's not an appropriate response but you love anyway in chapter 5 verses 17 through 20 therefore do not be foolish but understand what the Lord's will is do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Don't you love the singing here? Don't you love that? Well, two of us do, and, and don't... It's a Church of Christ full of white people. I know they're not gonna yell amen, but fair enough. Um. They, uh, we still, the singing here, I love it. I love hearing it move around the room, that you can hear it overflowing from the hearts. I love that the hugs at the table, and I love the smiles at the door. Love has got to mark us everywhere we go. And so in Ephesians, we find wives revering their husbands. We see husbands loving their wives and treating them with grace and kindness. We see mutual submission under the lordship of Jesus Christ. We see love at work at ground zero in the home. It's in chapters 5 and 6. It doesn't look right to the world, but it's right. You see, this is not a physical battle. It's a spiritual one. You can't vote this battle away. You can't argue this battle away, and you can't shoot this battle away. You have to love, that's our weapon. That's the switch we flip, that's our automatic. You know our battle tactics now because the scriptures made it very plain in, in Ephesians, love is what we do. And so now it's time to suit up. And Paul often uses in his writing a put off, put on motif. Now he's gonna use an extended put on motif with the armor of God. And you've you've known this since you were kids you've studied this if you were church people but you need to know something about uniforms number one everybody needs one the geneva convention said if you're found taking up arms without a uniform then you're a terrorist you have no protections under the geneva convention and the reason was if you're going to fight it has to be somewhat fair that's what the conventions were but also you may not know this but it was americans that killed the pretty uniform there used to be pretty uniforms big old fancy hats lots of medals sashes but that was back in the day when people shot muskets and muskets were i'm going to shoot and something out there in the county is going to get hit but americans said you know if we do a little curly cue inside the barrel we can make it a rifle I don't know who thought this up and the bullet will actually go somewhat the direction we're shooting and so the big fancy general would come out and there he goes because the Americans went oh there's the guy now we all have to wear the same uniform well that's probably a good thing God says put on the same uniform here's the uniform number one belt of truth Um, I'm not gonna go through all of this with the long explanation back then you everybody had a sash and if it was loose, you were off duty. We're never off duty. He says, tighten it up. Because you don't want robes and such to get in your way. Tighten it up. That holds stuff. In fact, they would hold the, breast, the breastplate would, li- would link to that. The scabbard would link to that. So you've got to be tightened up. What is the tightening up thing? Truth. Now here's where we go off into the weeds. Because a church will say, well, truth is all the doctrine we have. No, 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 no. Jesus said he was truth. Not our bits and pieces about what we believe, but him. And so we focus on him, the truth of Jesus Christ. That's why this church has open arms. That's why this church says, if you believe in Jesus, we love you. We'll never, we're not going to fight you. We embrace you by the way if you don't believe in Jesus we hug you too but we want to tell you our story after you've got the truth down by the way the truth here we're preaching through the Bible there's the 1189 if you don't know what that is talk to anybody here we're reading through the Bible at a a particular schedule that uh, makes sure that we all get through it we want to know truth and then the breastplate of righteousness by the way God wears this armor too in Isaiah 59 and verse 17 breastplate of righteousness. So what is righteousness? Righteousness isn't the correct worship order or the correct petty rule. It's about living your life as somebody who walks, talks, speaks, and deals with others in the same way Jesus did. Just want to live like Jesus. Want to act like Jesus. And then the shoes shod with the readiness of the gospel of peace the old version said now why are shoes so important well this may surprise you but historians believe that Alexander the Great was able to conquer the entire known world because he improved their footwear before then armies marched barefoot or in sandals and you could only go a certain amount of time Now, some of you you're Tennesseans you go barefoot that was never part of my tradition you would freeze to the ground Uh, So we didn't do that and some of you like to wear flip-flops as you're walking along. I Don't race in them You never see anybody doing a triathlon in flip-flops Not for long You need proper shoe wear Historians saw that that's not the only reason but that was one of the main reasons they could move They marched longer and faster because they were prepared well, Jesus traveled here and there and everywhere demonstrating the gospel. So should we. Take a look at Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 17. He came and preached peace to those who are far away and peace to those who are near. That's why we love the unbeliever too. That's why we, belo- we love our enemies too. Even those far away, we preach peace to them. But we'll get to them because we're ready to move. If your Christianity, if your your church life is coming on a Sunday morning, no wonder you get tired of it. This is our renewal time, and then we go out and do it. We move. We find a person to talk to. We find a person to help. We find a way to give. Then the shield of faith. It's going to be difficult out there. People are going to shoot at you going to happen. Sceva, a um, um, a Roman uh, general, during one battle, after one battle, rather, they said they counted 220 darts in his shield. Their shields were serious things. They they had two layers of wood that they would rotate, so it would be uh, almost kind of like a plywood concept. It'd be stronger that way, and they'd cover it with wet leather so that whenever the leather tightened, it really bound that shield together. But then they would also dip their shields overnight and make them wet so that when a dart hit them, a fiery dart, the shield didn't just block it, it put it out. Our faith has got to be so strong that we're able to block and put out those fiery darts. Only our faith can defeat what we're going to come up against but none of us get out of here alive so we have a helmet the helmet of salvation by the way god wears that one too in scripture from time to time the helmet of salvation guards against the fatal blow you're still going to get hurt you're still going to get addled but you're going to live now with us that's a metaphor because we will die one day but we will live because we are saved Put on the helmet of salvation. Trust. We're going to live forever. We're fine. A famous Marine Corps colonel during Korea, during one particular battle, they radio- radioed in and they said, Tell us your position. He said, We are surrounded. We've got them right where we want them. They radioed back. They said, Would you explain your position? He said, the enemy is to the front of us. The enemy is behind us. The enemy is to our left. The enemy is to our right. We're fine. We got him right where we want him. Why could he say this? Well, he wrote later, because they weren't afraid to die. They felt like they had done the right thing. They were ready. What would it be like for us? Instead of walking out, I'm sorry, but I get tired of Christians always moaning and whining about how awful the world is that's not our job when the world gets darker shine brighter do your job whenever you see a problem realize that's why you're your job security for the christian that's why you're here Woohoo! still got a job and then pull out the sword oh not the sword to cut them up this sword is the word of truth word of God this sword is Jesus that sword by the way Paul used the word there for the gladius which was not the regular long sword but the very short sword it was used for closing in we're not to stay in our buildings and pray against the world we're to get out there and be a part of the world and get just close with the world and tell them the story we don't have an edged weapon to wound and behead our enemies our sword is our life and our words, in so much as they mirror the life and words of Jesus Christ. We look for opportunities to serve and to love anybody who opposes us. We will close with them. And when the world gives us hell, we will give them heaven. When they act like Satan, we will act like Jesus in response. Last scripture today. Ephesians 6:18. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests by the way were you not impressed with the number of prayers and cards that have gone up from this place Albert lemons is sick today with a bad cold but I wish he was here so we could give him a round of applause let's make sure we honor him and Patsy for always pushing prayer and teaching us in prayer with this in mind be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Mark, would you bring your band up? When my son was shipped out, I had some advice to give him. Whenever I would write him, whenever I'd get to call and talk to him, I would use the, the same words that we've used for many, many years. Keep your eyes open, keep your head on a swivel, be aware every so often whenever something happens and he knows that I'm, I'm going through a struggle of some sort he will um he'll fire off a text to me keep your eyes open your head on a swivel be aware There was a great combat teacher that taught most people live in condition white they don't know what's going on some people live in condition red they're always in a panic we should live in condition yellow, is what he called it, which means be aware, be alert, your eyes open, your head on a swivel, look for ways to serve in the name of Jesus Christ. Pray all the time. Would you stand with me, and I'll give the admonition. We'll have a song, and we'll be done for this morning, except for Bible classes and starting point. I have an interesting admonition for you this week. Be invisible. By that, I mean that I speak like Jesus, act like Jesus, think like Jesus, love like Jesus, so that when you leave the room, there's no lasting impression of you at all. You fade away, and all that remains is Jesus. May we look so much like him that he is all they see. Amen.